Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode number 173 of Mirrorless Minutes. On this week's episode, Jerry and I spend some time discussing why going wide isn't always the right choice in landscape photography. We also cover when using wide-angle lenses aren't the right choice for all other types of photography as well. It's our typical back-and-forth banter as usual. And of course, there will be images shared on this week's episode, so we invite you over to the YouTube channel to see exactly what we're talking about. We also pose the question of where should we all meet up in 2022? We're putting that out for you and we're going to have a contest to help decide the location of the first ever post-COVID Mirrorless Minutes Meetup. All that and more on this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. We're doing it again where I don't have us added to the stream. Ah, they changed things up on us, and I can't figure out a good way to get us back into the stream after the intro. Yeah. <sighs> I need a drink, folks. This drink. is going to turn get into... Some mead. This will be, uh, This is uh, Glenn Morangi. I don't know if oh, I'm already right. Oh, you a drink. Glenn Morangi or Glenn Morangi. I don't know. It's a scotch, but it's a, a port barrel finished scotch, so it's a little bit less violent <laughs> nice. in your throat when it goes down. I I did not like scotch in the beginning. I thought mm-hmm. it tasted like Band-Aids. <laughs> Band-Aids. And then over time, I, it kind of grew on me. I, don't, I had I, I think the only scotch I really had was like, what is it, Glenfiddich? Or... Yep, yep. And then I, got, I had another one one time, but I forgot what it was. My first experience was it. Was it? See? Ta-da! It works. Um, My first experience with scotch was... On an Olympus thing uh, in British Columbia, and one of the people that was there for it uh, with the the PR company that they worked with, this guy Zach, he was a Scotch aficionado, and we were at a a bar there at Whistler, and he asked the the bartender, you know, do you have a bottle of something? I don't even know what it was, but it was something obscure and rare. And the guy said, Well, yeah, we do. And he says, oh, Pour so you know, like a double of that. Right, he wanted right. he wanted everybody to try it. It was sitting probably, we were at a big table. There's probably 10 of us hanging around and it was six feet away from me and I could smell it. Smell it. Right. Oh my God. Like we're supposed to drink this. It smells like a a chemical bath. Right. And I took a sip and I thought, oh, I will never drink scotch. And look at you now. Yeah. Now I've got, I think three of them in my bar. So it's, it's not bad if you don't overdo it. I mean, all alcohol, I mean. Yeah. I think, so here's a trick too, that, um, that Zach pointed out then, which we didn't get to experience that I do now. And that's a good drop of cold water. water. In that. Yep. Right. It opens yeah. everything up. It kind of mellows a little bit and right, right. tastes a lot better. So good Shelley. morning, gorgeous. Welcome to the, the drinking show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I promise that we're going to talk about photography. Welcome tonight. to drinking minutes. Right. I know. Oh, good grief. I hope this doesn't end up. Going out there that people don't. Hey, well, hey, well, at least we know if if our cameras ever fall into the lake and we don't got money to buy new ones, we can talk about alcohol. Cause <laughs> right, yeah. I the older we get, maybe this ends up becoming the we have to rebrand and it'll be the the drinks and clicks. Right. Uh, right. Although you know, there's kind of already... we should do one of those. We haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah, that'd be fun. It'd be La- fun to get it. Last time we did that, I, dude, I was so drunk when I when I left my computer. <laughs> That's the best. It's the best. So, uh, yeah, tonight's show. Let's let's talk about that. I've I've seen it get some press lately on a few websites, and it's something that I know you and I both have been doing in photography forever. And I think seeing it pop up on websites kind of what? made me think. Well, we should talk about it. What's been popping up? I haven't seen what you're talking about. So there's been not just on websites, but also like on my YouTube feed for some of the photographers that I follow. There's been a lot more talk about shooting longer for landscapes and why you should have a telephoto in your kit. And when I first got into photography, my first thought was I want an ultra wide for landscapes. And if anybody listens to this show regularly, they've heard you mention numerous times that you know, you don't want to go out and shoot with an ultra wide for for landscapes. Probably the majority of your stuff is shot with a telephoto. And yeah, I would say probably, I mean, 
or you know 30 percent 40 percent yeah yep or something with a longer focal length than ultra I can, wide i can honestly tell you i probably have nothing i rarely i might have a handful of photos that are shot wider than 24 millimeters yeah you know and your point as you shoot the lakeshore a lot you know and there are a lot of lighthouses and things like that along the lakeshore and your point is that if you take that ultra wide, you know, on full frame, if you're taking like a 16, 14 millimeter, uh, even 24 millimeters, you know, those lighthouses become like this in your frame. And yeah. I got some pictures queued up. You'll see. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I cool. should have threw one in there that I shot with. Cause I typically do I like shoot... the side by side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just to show what the difference. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure people know. So, um, so Richard wants to know if, I have secretly heard anything on next week's reveal. Um, are we talking about a particular sitcom or reality show? <laughs> or are you talking about like an Olympus announcement? Richard, I don't get, I'm not, I'm not in that, uh, that cool kids club anymore with announcements and things like that. So, and if I was, you better believe I would not talk about it. So no, I don't have any information on that. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say this much. Now that I'm not on contract with them. Hey, I'm, I'm with you there, brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't even repeat what he said for the audio people. You'll just have to come and watch. Um, but, uh, oh my God, Dwayne, you got me so sidetracked, dude. Um, Okay, yeah, wh where I was going with this. So Richard asked about, there's a lot of information and news floating around, teasers, rumors, stuff that's official from Olympus or OM Digital Solutions, uh, about new camera coming out, their new big flagship camera. And I was going to say that now that I'm not on contract and now that they're not sharing information with me, I will say this much, and they're going to hate me for this one. 90% of the time, 90% of what you see on the rumor sites is dead on there. There's always a few things that seem to show up on the rumor sites that are just wildly not correct. But in hindsight, I used to see all the rumors and I knew about the products weeks, sometimes months before the rumor sites got them. And I don't know who they're getting their information from, but 90% of the time I'd say 90% of what they have in leaked information is, is right there. So take that with a grain of salt, not to say that things haven't changed and they've battened down the hatches on rumors, but I'd say you can be pretty confident in most of what you see, you know, from my outsider's perspective, just based on working with those guys for a number of years. So, I don't know if that's going to piss anybody <laughs> off. Or not. It should. But I mean, it should. I didn't say anything right. that. Yeah, yeah, you're not. You know, I'm not like, you know, saying anything that I know about anything or anything like that. I'm just saying based on my history. So, what's up, Jay? I didn't, I clicked your name and it didn't show up. There we go. What's up, Jay? Uh, I'm not going to say your last name because I think I say it different every time and you give me crap every time <laughs> I say it different. So, you know, what's up, Jay? But yeah, so again, regarding that, uh, some of the some of the rumored, you know, leaked specs or whatever are interesting. It's good to see potentially what looks like a sensor change from Olympus to moving to um, a good new backside illuminated sensor from Sony. That would be cool. It would be a little bit bump up in low light performance. I'm not smart enough, versed enough, educated enough to know if that equates to better dynamic range. Just because you're more sensitive to light doesn't mean the information that you're gathering is going to come out better in the end. You know what I mean? Like pushing right. shadows and stuff. Right. Um, one of the specs was interesting though. It was on, I think Petapixel that said that it's capable of shooting stills at 120 frames per second with the caveat that it can't do that for a second straight. So it ends up stopping at about 97 frames, but so in under a second, and pre-show that's, that's still a massive amount of frames it's insane oh, like yeah. Yeah. i'm trying to think of how to use it um i i, I don't know too many that's that's a bird thing <laughs> dude in, in less than a second you're gonna see the bird's wing move 
like right, this far right, as it starts right, to flap. It's right. like I'm trying to think of a use. Right. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, really. Yeah. I, I think mean, I think that's probably overkill for sports as well. Oh yeah. But I, I will go and say this too, like when something like that comes out, there's always someone who's going to find a use case for it. It's probably not going to be the majority yeah. of people, but right. I mean, I could think of maybe, yeah, water drops. So Richard says water drops. You don't need that kind of frame rate for it if you're using flash and, you know, right. a trigger for that. But it would probably make your your hit rate easier on trying to catch an image of something shattering like a glass, you know, with a an arrow going through it or something like that. <laughs> but man, I don't know. That's faster than lightning. Right, right. Lightning right. flashes last a second or longer. You know, I mean, you could maybe make like an animated GIF file of a lightning bolt coming down. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm interested to see the first Olympus visionary explorer, whatever they've got for a roster now, um, how they use it. They're, you know? they're going to use that shit in Utah in the back of a van. Huh? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, they're going to photograph coffee with it, making coffee. Oh, you're talking about like the uh, <laughs> like the adventure people that live mm -hmm. out of their van and mm -hmm. drink lattes. Yeah, well, you know, I guess it'd be again, Richard. You know, interesting point. Um, hummingbird wings, and I, I guess mean, it, that, hell, that's a looking, reason to make a camera. If you're looking for a particular point in the flap, you, you'll probably get that. Or there was a cool photo a few years ago that this guy had taken. I think like a hundred thousand photos trying to get this shot of, of a belted kingfisher entering the water, and the right. tip of its beak was literally had just touched the water. I remember you sent me that. Yeah, I mean that would probably be a cool use case for something like that. But all right, so let's flip the script a little and yeah, uh, and um, what would you have rather seen than a hundred frames a second? Yeah, <sighs> Jerry. Okay, <laughs> so. Let's go from mild to wild. Um, I'll start off with wild first. I'd like to see him jump into the full frame market. I think. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, they're not, they wouldn't be the only camera manufacturer that has uh, two different formats. I don't, does Sony still do the like a 6,500 line yeah, or whatever? Yeah. Okay. So then yeah. they've got an APS-C in full frame. Fuji I does mean, medium format and APS-C. Yep. So Canon, Nikon both do it. So I like the Fuji analogy is really good because Fuji has APS-C, which I'll just, you know, simulate right. as this. Right. Then they've got medium format, which is this. It'd be the same with Olympus going micro four thirds yep. to full frame, yep. Yep. you know. And again, just with all their history with lens technology and all of their other tech that's inside. God, they oh, would kill yeah. it with full oh, frame. Oh, sure. They would. I, I would throw all my other cameras in the lake. I'd probably... I would consider the move back like yeah, full time to just all that gear and, and ditch Sony at that point. You give me a full frame AM one Mark four. Yep. Come on, I'd man. do it. I would too. I'd, I'd kick all my shit off the pier and go yeah. to the camera shop. Yep. I, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Um, Oh boy. Oh, dude. For sure. Yeah. Dude. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. Dude. I would be all over a full frame pen F two. Holy yep. crap. That would uh god man, that would put the smack down on 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 Fuji. And I think well Sony it seems like Sony tried that with that with that. What was that? Uh, um they just they launched like last year, I think they released it. It was uh it was Sony basically or, or yeah, Nikon. yeah. It was it was it's like an A7 without the viewfinder. The A7C. Yeah, the A7C, yes. yes, yes. Yeah, but man, it wasn't sexy like the Pen F. No, for sure. Yeah, it wasn't. Penef was a work of art, you right. know, and yes, Dwayne, that was what I was going to say next was that I think it would even have like a kind of questioning their validity in the market at that point. If Olympus did full frame, you'd always have the dentists and the doctors and the Lenny Kravitz is out there that that carried around a Leica. But um, I think I've seen Johnny Depp with a Penef. I mean, he understands yeah. the, right, right. You know, the beauty I of mean, that camera. So Penef's my favorite camera. It's my of, of all time. It's my favorite Olympus camera ever. It's probably sure. my favorite camera. Yeah. It just, I can't shoot 
super low light shit with it. You know? Yes. Yep. And weather sealing would be, right. you I know, mean, the, I, the icing on the cake for that. Right. I mean, I've gotten it wet, but yeah. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't hang out in the pouring down rain all night shooting with it. For no, sure. not all night. Yeah. So that would be like, that's my wild wish list, you know, for this new camera would be, you know, for them to jump into full frame. For sure. I, I think on the mild end, um, I'd like to s see not just Olympus, but other camera manufacturers also look at a way to make the, the rear display bigger. Um, and maybe that incorporates like better touchscreen technology and make it a super high res OLED screen with really fast refresh rates. Like, okay. So like my phone, this is 120 Hertz refresh rate on this and every movement you do on it is super fluid. So that would translate to, if you're in live view on that screen, everything would look super fluid and lifelike. So that would be something I'd like to see on the more, I think, realistic end of the spectrum. I've never used touchscreen on a camera. I, I don't necessarily use it for touching. Uh, I'm just saying you might have uh, to make it touchscreen because you'd start maybe eliminating buttons. Buttons to in order to fit like estate. basically the yeah. yeah, the whole back of the camera becomes a screen at right, that point, right. you know. Right. But those are a couple of things I'd like to see. Rumors I think are that the EVF is uh a higher res EVF. That's good. That's um, always good. So I think that they're kind of up on, you know, on the game with that after people complaining for a long time. <clears throat> I will say I hate talking like this. I feel like I'm trying to like, you know, wave my, you know, Hey, me, me, me flag. But, um, years ago I had mentioned the fact that our sensor shift offers so many degrees of stops, you know, of, of stability. And I had inquired, you know, how much rotation and movement is the sensor capable of? And I had asked why we're not doing something like Pentax does with Ash with star tracking, because we should be able to rotate that sensor far enough to extend your long exposures. Um, you know, when you're shooting stars, so you don't right. get star trails. So, yeah. Yeah. So you can, I mean, yeah, you can do it. You can create star trails. Why not make it so you can't. Yep. And and the way to do that is, well, the, the rub is that you need to know where North is at. Um, but the flagship cameras like the EM one X has GPS built in. So I'm sure it has the capability, not just of knowing where it's at, but I'm sure that there's a way to make it so that you know which direction you're pointed in. And if you can find north and then you rotate your sensor the your opposite sensor, direction, then yeah, then you can just kind of negate the the rotation yeah. of the stars. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that I'm sure they figured that out because the the engineers at Olympus are just wizards with this. Oh game. yeah, those dudes so. are badass. Let's see. Sup, Penf is my favorite camera. I got it after an Ann Arbor meet with Mike and I a few years back. Good. It's a killer camera, and I'm super stoked we got to to meet up. And I'm super sorry I don't recognize your name, but I hope the event was fun. And uh, yeah, I know the Penf man. It's the bomb for sure. <laughs> and then I guess I'll just let Rick Kefjen and Jay just chat back and forth amongst each other in the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> But what about you, Jerry? Like, what what would be your most wild wish list from Olympus, and what would be something that you expect they should be doing at this point? Um, I I agree with. I mean, we talked a little bit about before we launched the show. I would definitely say full frame. Mm -hmm. Um, just the the amount of data that comes along with that lets you be a lot more creative and and post. Oh yeah, and yeah. uh. For, I guess for some people probably don't need it. You right. know what I mean? Like they probably don't care, but I would like it. Right. Uh, you like to spend time out in the evening and at right. night. I shoot shooting. a lot at night. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and there's a big difference, man. There's a big difference between full frame and, and micro four thirds when you're shooting. Yeah. You know, alleys at one o'clock in the morning, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, on the other side, I, man, I don't know. I would probably say, uh, a revised pen f yeah i mean yeah yeah give me weather sailing um and that's pretty much it i mean give me some weather sailing and yeah and uh yeah i don't know I, so another i'm, a, I'm an easy man to, to yeah. please <laughs> easy to please just you don't need necessarily massive revolutionary change just no. just refresh it and 
So that's a perfect segue into the next thing. Right. Uh, I mean, I'd still shoot with a DSLR if I find a good deal on one. <laughs> you can do that all day long. Right, right, um, right. So a refreshed Pen F. What about the rumors that there's a refreshed uh, 12 to 40, 2.8 and 40 to 150, like version 2.0 of those lenses? Uh, I'm curious what they change in those. Probably like, image stabilization, maybe. Like adding image stabilization yeah, to the to the lens. Yeah, yeah, that's right. the only thing I could think of that they could do hey. to improve those lenses. Right. You know, and maybe that's what they do. God, don't do that because then I'll probably yeah. I'll probably buy well, those lenses. Well, they'll get bigger. Yeah, yeah, they'll it's have to get heavier. a little bit bigger yeah. for sure. But I'm sure that it'll be one of those things again where you'll be able to throw that. I mean, the twelve to forty isn't as long as the 12 to 100 and you put that 12 to 100 on an EM one X and with the, or yeah, with the, the, like the dual image stabilization or whatever, with the two talking to one another. I mean, you get like, again, I've seen people hold it for 10, 12 seconds and get a, a sharp shot. Just think on the 12 to 40 where it's a, you know, wider angle, you know, you still be able to do that with a, on a smaller lens. Right. Be interesting for sure. Yes, it would. That, that, uh, 40 to 150 was probably my all-time favorite lens. It's a lot of people's. I, I That thing lived on my, my camera oh, body. Okay, so Jay, whose last name I can't pronounce, says that they say that the 40 to 150, the new one, is an F4 Pro. So I guess a more affordable one, right. kind of like they did with the, uh, was it 12 to 45, I think yeah. it is, and, yeah. and 12 to 100. So, so yeah, is, that, is that a version 2 of the Fantastic Plastic? Ooh, what, no. what was that one? That one was a 45, wasn't it? 45 to something? Yes. For, yeah, 40. I think they might have done a 40 to 150 that was just a cheaper plastic. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just a, a refresh of that. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know why you would revamp the, the product. It's I great the way it is. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I guess just a more affordable, like, you know, they always want to maintain, like, like, tiers to their lens lineups you know they want something entry level for the beginner and they want something for someone who's a little more advanced more of an enthusiast knows that they can get better from a better lens and then they've always got like the the pro lineup that's you know the pinnacle of what they do so i guess it makes sense but interested to see how it sells not that right. i'll ever find out but interested anyways <laughs> so let's talk about the topic for tonight um you know we kind of hit on it earlier about not shooting wide all the time. I mean, granted, the first lens I got when I jumped into full frame was Tamron 17 to 28, which is pretty damn wide. Right. And then one of the next lenses I got, like two lenses after that, was a 14 millimeter, which is ridiculously <laughs> wide. But yet, I just bought a 200 to 600 for the Sony, and I will probably shoot as much landscape with that lens as I do wildlife. And, and I think tonight talking about why and use cases, it'll start to make sense for people. Right. So jump into it a little bit, Jerry, talk about, talk about why you prefer to shoot longer. Well, you for know what? I'm, I'm going to just show some pictures and yeah. talk about it. Yeah. I show the pictures do it. because do it. get on it because let's do that. If we can remember how to do this. Ooh, can you hear me swallow? Yes. Oh, gosh. All righty. So, me personally, I enjoy shooting 200 millimeters on up. I just recently purchased the uh, Tamron 150 to 500. And that's what most of, I think all of these are shot with that, with the exception of maybe one. Um, this was taken in Muskegon. And I actually shot <laughs> this from the parking lot. Um, I mean, that's one benefit. You don't got to walk all the way down to the, to the lakeshore anymore now, but I, um, I like to be able to see the details in my subject. Now I could have shot this, you know, at 24 millimeters and the, the lighthouse would have been a fraction of that size and you wouldn't have seen the stickers on the, on the door and, and, you know, you can see detail in the grate up top, um, you just get so much more detail on your subject. I mean, if you're at the lake and you're shooting the lighthouse, you think you would want to see the lighthouse. Am I right? Yeah, 100% right. 
uh, you know, so, you know the old saying, the devil's in the details. Right. So this one here this is another thing. I shot this from this was from the beach. I shot this one from the beach. Um, but it's I mean, it's one of those things that I mean you can see you can see the ice build up on the rocks and you see the icicles hanging, see the sticker on the door, you can see the rivets in the lighthouse. And when and when you're shooting wide, you're not gonna get any of that stuff in your shot. You're gonna you're going to just get, you know, a basic cover the area landscape. Yep. Um this here was shot um up north a little bit. And it's just a it's just a road, and this was at five hundred millimeters. I pulled this all the way out. And I'm That's standing down the street and I just wanted to get that curve in the road. And we had a little bit of light coming through the trees there. And this would look a lot different if I would have shot this at 28 millimeters because you wouldn't get all that compression that you get when you when you zoom in. Um, here's another one. This is actually shot 40 to 150 on the um, EM1 Mark III. Yeah. Or Mark II, I'm sorry. Um, this is Frankfurt. And this is one of the things. I'm actually pretty far away from from the lighthouse and looking at the water, the long lens, not just makes the photo, but you know, I mean, I may have lost gear in the water for being out on a pier in those conditions. So it offers some safety in some situations. Oh, for too. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, when the days like this is better than not get so close. Um, but you're able to pull it in and, and, and capture all the detail in your subject. And that's, that's why I like shooting um, longer lenses because you get that extra detail. Yeah. Um, oh, dude. <laughs> this is 40 to 150 also. Yeah. And I'm standing right on the other side of where the where the cement comes up. Yeah, that's a long uh, ways for people that don't yeah. know, you know. And um this is uh, this was 200 millimeters. No, this is 150. This yeah, this was a 40 to 150. Um nice. one mark 2. And then I just I just 150 millimeters which is 300 but yes that's just what i was gonna say yeah, on micro four thirds that's long yeah, and i mean you to me it just makes a more a more artsy image than just shoot, when you shoot wide there's so much there's so much to look at you know right I mean? yeah yeah you're and, and tuned right of, in on your subjects with yeah, this one. yeah i'm like you're scanning the area to see what's out there and then, and when you shoot longer lenses, I mean, you're pulling your subjects right in. And yeah, I mean, it's obvious you can see what the subject is here. So yeah, and uh, that's the reason why I prefer shooting longer lenses. Yeah, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna find a common thread here, uh, in the way we're sharing images and and our our thought process behind them for sure. You know, and I'll just do a quick. I for once, I don't have a a ton to share, <laughs> which is no complaint by my side. Um, so with this one, again, you know, shooting wide, there are a couple of things that I was contending with, with this number one, I was standing in the middle of the highway on a raised median. Uh, so Mark Miller and I had gone to the UP a few years back and we had the opportunity to pull over and shoot, you know, as the sun, well, actually we had the opportunity to shoot because Mark got a flat tire. So uh, we're on the side of the highway and I ran into the median and the first lens that I had on was, uh, it was the Olympus seven to 14 and just way too wide. So I had to run back across the highway because my first shots were just so wide that you couldn't make out any detail in the trees. You know, it's like you said, with the lighthouses, you could see rivets on them. You could see stickers on the doors and on the finished product here, uh, especially cause I did handheld high res. We didn't have a lot of wind. So the leaves set, you know, pretty still here. You know, I can make out tons and tons and tons of individual little leaves here. And this is, again, with the 12 to 100. So the full frame equivalent is going to be 200 millimeters on this. And, you know, with some of those Olympus bodies, you know, being able to shoot like an 80 megapixel image uh, also gives you that extra, extra level of detail, you know, without having to go to a super high megapixel count uh, like Sony. I know your, a lot of your shots are with Sony, too you know, that gives you all that extra detail. And again, when you're shooting with a longer lens for something like this, this is not what I typically shoot. I've always wanted to be able to shoot like a fall color, you know, vignette of the trees, but 
I generally am shooting, you know, I used to shoot all the time really wide and it's hard to pick out, you know, what you want to shoot in that. And when you start zooming in, you start kind of dialing in on these little scenes, you know, and I purposely selected this the way it was set up because I had all these white birch trees in the background, but I still had this red maple in the lower left corner that was just like on fire with light. And you would lose that in a wide angle image. You know, you would have so much other stuff going on in it that you couldn't really compose something like this unless you cropped it, you know, after the fact. And that's not what I was going for. I'm trying to do a little bit more, you know, conscious as far as my compositions and not have to do too much afterwards with my compositions. Uh, and this one is another example of, again, why you want to use a longer lens on a landscape. So this is Moab a couple years back in the LaSalle mountains in the background. And everybody knows if you get your cell phone out to shoot the moon, the moon looks like a dot in the background. And if you want a big moon, like everybody wants in a shot, you need something longer. And at the time, this was the longest lens I had for Sony. And it was the, it's the Tamron 70 to 180. So still not the longest lens out there by any stretch of the matter, but using what I had and zooming again, you know, out as far as I could, I could at least get a larger, somewhat larger than life moon. It actually looks, honestly, I feel like how it looked when I was there, you know, how it is when you're driving and the moon is either setting or rising on the horizon and it looks just, you know, big. And that's how it looked that night as the sun was right or the, the moon was rising. And the only way I could achieve that again was with the, the Tamron 70 to 180 longest lens I had with me at the time. And, you know, one of the, the benefits of that long lens, like you said, it's that compression that you get. It, it pulls not just your subject closer to you, but it can move things that are in the background a lot closer as well. So this is uh, Griffith Observatory in L.A. Uh, shot from up in the Hollywood Hills. And it's funny because this is the shot I wanted before I even got to the airport. I knew what I wanted. I I knew I wanted to see Griffith Observatory and I wanted LA in the background. And unfortunately I wanted mountains in the background because there are mountains behind the city out there. It's just, you know, LA smog, you can't see them, but pre-conceptualized, pre-envisioned what this shot was going to be for me. And I knew what I needed to do the shot. And that was the Olympus 300 millimeter. And I had the 1.4 teleconverter on it at the time as well. And I, this was the EM one X also that I was using for that. So, I mean, we're looking at what, um, like any, a full frame equivalent of like 840 millimeters, I think is what it ends up being. So, um, I don't know the exact distance that LA is from Griffith observatory, but I think it's like 19 miles in the distance. And it literally looks like it's sitting in the backyard of Griffith observatory. And again, hearkening back to what you said a minute ago, uh, ultra wide angle, you're not going to see, anything you're not going to see the construction workers here on the lower right with their green vests on working they're just going to be specs and la is not going to be pulled closer to the foreground to give this just this perspective that you really can't get any other way and it's my favorite thing to do is to draw things from the background really far up into the foreground and close those distances <clears throat> and again you know this was uh I think it's still in Colorado just before you get over into Utah on I-70. Uh, I love this mountain. I've driven past, I think, like five times now or something like that. And it's just, it's a fascinating piece of landscape. And again, the first two times I shot it, I had, I think, the 12 to 40 on one time. And then I had uh, the 7 to 14 on and never thought for whatever reason to get something longer and shoot it with a longer lens. And this was actually, and because I've been out of the loop with Olympus for a while now, I think it's the 12 to 200. It's one of their, you know, lower tier lenses. And I think that's what it is, is the 14 to 200 or 12 to 200. I think it's 12 to 200. And I had that, and this is really one of the only shots that I took with that lens. But again, it's, it's zoomed all the way out there to 200 on that, which is again, a 400 millimeter equivalent. So it just, not only brought the that butte or whatever you call that uh, piece of geography closer to the camera, but it also brought those clouds, you know, tighter up against the back of it as well. It just kind of made for a really surreal scene. And 
the same with this one. So everybody knows I like to shoot storms and clouds and all of that. And this was actually up near Grand Haven. Uh, when I used to camp up that way all the time, there were storms that were kind of moving across the state and we had these big billowy clouds and I knew exactly what I was going to get by doing this. And this again is with the 300 millimeter, but it's on my infrared converted uh, OMD EM1 Mark one, like the OG OMD EM1. And again, I wanted to do that super long telephoto or focal length to draw those clouds in really close. It just makes them look so much larger than life. And like you, I really wish uh, when I did shots like this, that I would have shot something a lot wider so that people could see the difference that it makes by pulling the background elements in close with a long focal length. It's, it's such a fun thing to do to make. In this case, it made the clouds just look wickedly ominous. They were cool looking in the background when I shot it, but shooting it at this focal length, they look like like something wicked this way comes for sure. And the last couple are a couple of my favorites shot on the lakeshore again with the super long focal length that allows you to make that sun again, larger than life. And, and my favorites for that have always been the Olympus cameras because I can get such astounding links with such small gear and with so little kit with me. So this is the, the 300 millimeter, F4 with the 2X teleconverter on it. And this is shot from, uh, I wish people were more familiar with that beach, but there's the state park and then there's this public park that's adjacent to that one. And it's the edge of the state park, almost at the public park, which puts this realistically probably what Jay, like a half a mile away almost. It's long. It's so far away from this shot. and. Yeah, I, I really couldn't achieve a shot like this without that. So you're looking at 1,200 millimeters of focal length to pull this off. And then the last one, same thing, same lens, uh, just not with the, the 2X teleconverter. This is, oh, no, I'm sorry. This is with the 2X teleconverter. It was on the same weekend as that last shot. Just another lighthouse, uh, Jerry's, you know, I'll call it Jerry's lighthouse because it's his stomping grounds. But Again, it's almost like a sci-fi image when you're shooting at a 1200 millimeter equivalent. And I kind of dig this section right here, this little red dot that's just light coming through a window <laughs> on that lighthouse. But yeah, so I'm, I'm just a huge fan of that. I really can't, I really can't stress it enough how fun it is to, to shoot with really long focal lengths and distort things and make things look in a way that your eyes just can't see them and you may be muted you're muted so richard says if you use the built-in yellow red filter it only affects jpeg images no effect on raw um i'm not sure are you talking about like on an infrared converted camera because on the infrared converted camera the raw file comes out purple Unless you have like a custom, uh, oh my gosh, it's like, a, it's not a developed preset. It's a, it's a raw developed preset that you'd use with Adobe camera raw. But the, the infrared image that I showed of the storm clouds, that was the JPEG right out of the camera without a color filter applied. That's just them raw, them raws, them raw still come out inverted, right? Yes, but the thing is with an infrared camera, the raw file comes out not in black and white. It comes out with like this purplish tint to it. That's what I thought, yeah. It's weird. It's a very unique look. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, but my I've had the greatest success with the infrared stuff shot on on my converted camera by just throwing the Olympus camera into to black and white into monotone mode. Right. And Again, if you've listened to me talk for a while, I have a, a recipe that I use for black and white on the Olympus cameras, which is uh, I set it to the red filter. So I guess, yeah, I guess that kind of harkens to what Richard's talking about. But uh, in your monotone settings, you can adjust a few things. And I have it turned on to red filter and I have contrast all the way up and I have sharpness all the way up. And it just makes it really crispy, super hyper detailed. But then by having the red filter on anything that would have been blue in an image. If you're shooting on a non-converted camera, 
anything blue basically just turns like almost black, like the sky becomes black. But on the infrared camera, because the sky has no color information and it doesn't know that it's blue, it's already dark. It makes that dark even darker. So that's why the, the white clouds are super white and the black sky is super black. <laughs> it's it's a very unique for sure. It's it's cool. I like the way those look. It's fun. There's there's a lot of um I don't know things that you have to work around with an infrared converted camera. Uh big one being that they tend to have a hot spot in the middle of the frame. So you almost have to do like a like a radial filter starting from the center of your image working out that has like a negative uh exposure value to it. But it's fun. It's worth it. If anybody's considering getting an infrared camera, um, I would highly suggest it. And actually, I was scouring looking for the uh, the infrared raw files and stuff. So I'm going to try and pull this up. Da -da 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 -da. Let me open this up with... I'm just going to open it in Photoshop and show you guys what they come in to Photoshop looking like, and I'll just do a screen share really quick here. Just take a second for Photoshop to get it open. Or actually Adobe Camera Raw probably will want to open it first. And let me open. Oh, damn it. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot. So one of the cool things you could do in Adobe Camera Raw is you can have it look for a serial number of a specific camera and automatically apply like these develop presets to it. And what it does is it, it basically turns mine right into black and white. I wonder if I can open it in preview and show you guys, I'd really like you to be able to see what, um, what they come off of an infrared camera looking like it's a very unexpected look. So I'm going to try and open it in on one photo raw. Let's see how that looks. And that one. Okay, I'm super confused. I feel like such an idiot. They, I swear they always came in purple. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're not. Now they're just coming in all like black and white. And I have no idea if this is like some sort of a an update that's happened to all this software over time. But... Yeah, so that's kind of a bummer. But this is what the raw file comes in looking like anyways on that. Oh, we get a live edit today. Cool. Oh, really? I don't use on one to edit. Are you freaking kidding Is that me? what you got? Is that what that is? Yeah, this is on one. Oh, I've been wanting to try that. No, 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 I don't. I want to try capture one. Yeah. Uh -uh. All right, so we'll bump up the contrast. We'll drop the highlights down a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Why are we doing this? This is embarrassing. I don't edit in this software, so I'm going to feel kind of completely out of place. Da, 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 da. We'll drop these blacks down a little bit more. Sorry, I'm not talking. I'm actually like, <laughs> I feel like I'm uh, kind of put on the spot here. There we go. All right, ta-da, finished image. There you go. <laughs> so it takes about... 30, 40 seconds to, to run through just a really quick edit. And you can see what I did there. I just, I bumped the contrast way up. I like, I like things really contrasty and sharp and poppy. So I uh, knocked the highlights down because some of those whites were really hot. Uh, dropped the midtones down just a little bit and kicked those shadows way deep. Cause I, again, that contrast, I want a lot of separation between, you know, um, my, the shadow areas, the dark areas, especially in something like this for a black and white image. And then, uh, on one has a version of the dehaze slider. So I knocked that down a little bit too. I guess I could crank the structure up to make it a little bit more intense, but yeah, it's, it's fun. I dig it. Check it out. We got our first, nice. we got a couple of spammers. Let me uh, tell them to GTFO. There we go. Blocked them. Get out of here. So, yeah. So, that's I mean, that's that's my thought on shooting telephoto for landscapes. Uh, I still do shoot wide. Probably it's probably fifty fifty for me. In all honesty, it's going to depend on my location too, what my subjects are. Oh, for sure. You know, 
especially if I have something in the distance that I want to make larger than life, whether it's the sun, the moon, a city in the background, a bridge or something like that. Lighthouses bring those all back up into the foreground. Right. Uh, or, or like in the case, you know, you mentioned if you, if there are things that are off in the distance that are part of your subject and you want that detail to shine through, there's a lot of character on, on the lighthouses and, and buildings and architecture. So why not show it? For sure. For sure. So we need to do a, some type of photo contest or something, man, I think. Yeah. We need to do something. Oh, you heard it here first. Jerry and I are going to get together. We're going to figure out some sort of a photo contest. What are we going to give away? I don't know. We have to figure it out. I just think we, we need to see some photos, some other people's photos other than our own. Yeah. I'd mm-hmm. love to share other people's I, work I do, too. Here. I do, too. You know. So we need to do something. We'll we know think, a lot we'll, of. We'll brainstorm over the next two weeks, and then we'll, next show, we'll let them know. Figure I think something out. like the plan. For sure. Yes, I agree. Well, all right. Well, you guys heard it here first. Keep an eye on uh, social media and we'll announce something, some sort of a contest. We'll give you guys lead time on it too. I mean, here in Michigan, the weather is not my favorite <laughs> time of year, you know? Uh, and all of you who live in much better climates would probably hey. stomp all over us. So, yep, I would agree. We need to do something. Well, I wish it was nice route because I'd like to organize some sort of a meetup. That would be fun. You know, uh, kind of take a poll. Yeah, take a poll and find a common area to meet. Probably It would probably have to be outside of Michigan. You know, Mike and I did that with a couple of workshops. We just put it out there. We did like a survey. Where should we do our next next one? (laughs) And, um. So we actually ran a couple of workshops just based on that. So why not do a meetup that way too? Yeah, for sure. We should find a state to visit and have people come in and we spend a couple of days seeing the sites together. Yeah. Hanging out, shooting. I I, I'm optimistic that the whole COVID, all that stuff is going to be kind of by the wayside by summer. That's my, that's my prediction. I mean, I guess it depends on who you are. (laughs) Some people say it's by the wayside now. Right. True. So, (laughs) you know, take that to Vegas. Bet on it. Right. You know what? I've never been to Cleveland. Me neither. That's actually really not that far for us. That's an an easy one. You know, I'm just glad somebody didn't say, you know, like Sedona, Arizona or something like, damn, that's a that's a long drive. (laughs) <laughs> that's a flight. I'm not driving that one, but um, yeah. So keep that in the back of your uh, back of your guys's heads. Uh, start thinking about if you'd be up for some sort of a, a big social event, a big gathering. And Hocking Hills would Hock- be. Yep. Hocking Hills would be a great have spot. You, have you been there yet, Jay? I've never been. And Shelly and I have been talking about going forever. She's been. And uh, it would be kind of fun, you know, spend. I, th- I think it would a few days down there. I don't know wherever we have this, we need to keep in mind. There needs to be easy lodging. I got, I feel like my mic is super hot tonight. I'm sorry if I'm blowing everybody's ears out unless my monitors are loud. Um, But we need to keep in mind that there needs to be plenty of options for food and lodging nearby, wherever we're going to do this. That's why uh, Cleveland, I think it's a great idea. I would love to do Hocking Hills. I don't know what it's like down there. Maybe you guys who've been there know a little bit more can tell me if it makes sense, but let's plan on this. You guys let's do this this year. Yep. Let's, let's do uh, a mirrorless a, minutes meetup. Let's put a poll together for, for the next show. We'll, we'll come up and then we'll just let people throw suggestions in there. And, yeah, I agree. And, and then we'll pick something that makes sense. Yeah. It'd be fun again. Um, I'd like to look at someplace, lots of not lots, but enough options for lodging and when I say food, it's not because I'm fat. I mean, because I'm fat, <laughs> but not because I'm fat, but because, you know, part of the whole social hungry. experience is it's it's fun to to go shoot and then and then break for lunch. And everybody, we all sit around a big table and, you know, drink a beer or a soda and have lunch and then go right back out and shoot again, you know, and then break for dinner. And it's just 
I love that whole experience of sitting around a table and, and all the conversations that happen right. and, and it's showing just a, each other, their pictures. And yeah, yes. It's, sure. it's such a fun thing, you know, and I would almost look at something like this as a, I don't want to say it's a, a workshop, but um, you know, Jerry and I and other people who would be there, I'm sure are more than, more than uh thanks jerry for sharing that. i wasn't even gonna click on that you jerk um <laughs> but uh it, it would be a learning opportunity an educational opportunity for everybody so it would of course be open to anybody regardless of skill level and i think oh, yeah. all of us everybody that goes would learn something from an event like that maybe we'd even be able to sit down and, and run through some post-processing techniques and, and ways that we like to do things as well because that's always fun to share too so let's keep that in mind, folks. Let's let's make it happen. Yep. It's almost like a free workshop. What what uh what do you think? Springtime? No, dude. No. No, summer? It's gonna have to be June, May. It's gonna have it's gonna have to be either late summer or into fall would be into, the best. Yeah, I, it, guess, it gives, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. It gives people plenty of time to uh to organize and plan for this. And by plenty of people, I mean me and you. Um, I've got some trips over the summer that I want to knock out. Um, I know Shelly and I are going to go to the Badlands. That's a, uh, a bucket list trip for me. So that's a trip that's going to happen for sure. Um, I'm definitely going to do a storm chase in the plain States again when storm season kicks up. So, and right now I'm currently traveling and doing a lot of stuff for my day job. That's occupying basically all of February, all of March into April. So, I'm not booked. I don't have anything booked for April yet, but yeah, I'm sure it's coming. My last travel for work is in April. I'll be in uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin. So, but outside of that, um, yeah, plan on it. Plan on a giveaway, and plan on a big social event that will be a blast. I promise. Yes, ma'am. So Dwayne's been to the Badlands. So the guy to do wall drug. I'll for sure. I'll, I'll do all the the touristy things. And I'm going to try and take my badlands into the badlands out in the badlands to do some shooting, you know, kind right. of yeah. off yeah, the beaten bad, path. Bad so. Lands are pretty fun. so I guess with that said, you guys, thank you everybody as always for tuning in. And I love when the chat room is like it was tonight. So much conversation going on, questions, comments, jokes. Um, let me scroll up here. Hold on. People calling me unfit. I love it. It's it's a blast. <laughs> Let's do it again in two weeks. That's right. You guys you take can care. call me unfit next time. <laughs> uh, hey, look, I fit in this shirt, so cut it out. Or, or you can call me blind or old or whatever. No, I don't care. Yeah, I'm getting to be both of those two. So we see you guys in a couple of weeks. Get out there and shoot. <laughs> and uh, keep in mind, we're going to be doing a photo contest. And I think, I think we're just going to make it an open, no categories, just – do your best. Shoot what you like to do, and we'll go from there. You guys take care. Two weeks. Peace.